Welcome to the sixth episode of The Bounce Pass. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo, and today I'm joined by my colleagues Sam Hengeli and John Fitzgerald, aka The Fitz, to talk about Kansas basketball. But yeah, we're going to kind of run through it tonight. We're kind of going to go through, you know, how really the Auburn debacle happened. We're going to kind of go through, you know, season in perspective and what maybe lies ahead through the future. But, um, I mean, how do you guys feel about the game last night and how the season ended? Um, I would say it was very uh, disappointing that the season ended. Probably could have gotten it done against uh, Auburn, but uh, I think Auburn's athleticism and their uh, style of play was something that Kansas really wasn't accustomed to. And uh, with the uh, with their uh, pressure defense, that really – Kansas really hasn't faced. I mean, with West Virginia, they ran that style last year, but they didn't do it this year with because of their personnel that they had in their team. So, so that that was one of the reasons I think Kansas was able was uh, getting ran out of the building so quickly, and also Auburn shots were just absolutely just going in, like everything, like like throwing that one. Forget who shot it for Auburn, but he just pulls up from like twenty five feet and just drilled it. And you knew that it, it was just going to be a long night for the Jayhawks when you, when you see something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely rough to watch. And I think, um, you know, I I kind of expected it just uh, mainly because of how, how bad we beat Northeastern. I think that kind of played a bit of a part in it. Um, you know, you, you beat a team by 20, 30 points and you get a little bit overconfident. Um, and also, Auburn didn't shoot very well against New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. And when you have a team that shoots really well uh, and they have a bad game before, the odds of them having two bad games in a row is pretty slim. Usually the, uh, the stats are going to even themselves out. So, um, so if they shoot real bad one night – they're either going to have a couple nights where they shoot their average or they're going to have one night where they just go off. Right. And unfortunately, you know, that's kind of what happened with Auburn. Also, they do, they do have a great defense. Auburn does. Um, and they, they have a pressure defense. They create a lot of turnovers with Kansas. That was, that's our biggest issue is we give up a lot of turnovers. Uh, just young guys not handling the ball very well, making a lot of uh, freshman mistakes. So that hurts us as well. And that's where Auburn t- they took advantage of that. Uh, and then we weren't getting back in transition. Uh, Auburn, man, they were just – every time if, if KU made a basket or if they got the, Auburn got the defensive rebound, they were at the other end, I mean, just quick. And, and they were shooting shooting threes on breakaways. Right, right. And, and, make, and making them. You know, I mean, it's like – it's uh, man, that's just rough. You know, it was um, – yeah, and we weren't getting back on defense. And we should have been prepared for it. They've seen – uh, video or they've watched film of Auburn, uh, but I, like you, uh, like, like Sam said, it, it just uh, they just weren't prepared, you know. And, and they they hadn't went against a team like Auburn uh, because West Virginia, had, uh, again, that's how they kind of normally played as well. Uh, but uh, we didn't we didn't face it for West Virginia team like that this year. So they they watched all the film in the world and they just were not prepared. Man, it was just. Uh, it sucked to, to see. I, I really would have rather seen us lose a close game than to just get completely blown out. It was 
pretty embarrassing. Right. You know, I do think in terms of competition that KU played, I think the closest really opponent that Kansas played against this that had a similar style to to Auburn was Iowa State. I mean, I know you guys alluded to West Virginia, and we've, we've already said that they just didn't have the personnel to do it. Iowa State actually had that similar style this year. They had the personnel where they could get up and down the court, you know, shoot threes, not to the level of Auburn, but they have shooters on their team. And if you guys watch this year, I mean, KU looked overmatched against Iowa State for the most part when we played them three times this year. Um, I mean, Candace beat them at home, but they got steamrolled in Ames and they got outplayed in the Big 12 tournament title game. So, um, I mean, the number is pretty alarming, just like you guys mentioned about how Auburn was able to get out fast break. I, I don't know the total margin, but I know for the first 10 minutes of the game, KU got beat 26 to zip in fast break points, which I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. And, I mean, Auburn shot the lights out. I mean, they were 13 of 30 from three. It was so bad because – you know, Kansas was down by 26 at the end of the first half. You know, KU actually outscored Auburn 50 to 30 in the second half, and KU scored 30 points. I think in the first maybe eight to ten minutes, and they cut the deficit from 20 to 19 because Auburn just kept bombing away and making shots. Like it was that type of a game for Kansas. Yeah. Uh, so it it was frustrating. I think really most Kansas fans should be upset that New Mexico State botch the layup <laughs> because yeah i'm pro i mean i think a lot of Kansas fans would agree also that the, the a matchup with new mexico state would have been much more in their favor you know KU wouldn't have had to worry about new mexico state pushing the tempo on them every possession pressuring them i mean new mexico state you know isn't a bad shooting team they can make some perimeter shots but they're still more of a half court oriented team and and for what ku has shown this year with what they what they ended up having with the four freshmen and Diedrich Lawson, uh, a half court style definitely would have been much more in their favor, but um, not really an ideal matchup. And it sucks because you know I always say that you know it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, granted, Kansas is a four seed this year, but it doesn't matter how good you are. There's going to be times in the NCAA tournament where your biggest flaw will will bite you. And you will find a matchup somewhere down the road, whether it's in the first round or the Elite Eight, that you play a team that their strong suit is in an area where you're just not good at. And um, you can even make the argument that KU, you know, faced this thing with Villanova um, in 2018, you know, 2017. KU's biggest issue, as great as that team was, they didn't have a great shot blocker. And they played Oregon, who had an elite shot blocker in Jordan Bell. So usually teams' biggest disadvantage will always find them in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it ended up finding Kansas. So now that we've kind of gone through a little bit about the, you know, the game itself, I kind of want to have your, your guys' thoughts about just the season in general, considering how much has gone on for Kansas. You know, how would you rate this season? Would you rate it, you know, a disappointment or, you know, a success? areas that maybe they can improve on um yeah you know i would say with all the the, the stuff that they went through as far as doak um doak getting injured that was a tough blow um silvio never becoming eligible that really wasn't expected i mean it was kind of expected but then it really wasn't expected 
Um, and then Marcus Gary getting hurt for a while. He was never really back to 100%. And then Vic leaving. You know, there was a lot of things that, that really went on. Um, and you add into that Charlie Moore just not being as advertised. Same with Quentin Grimes. Just take, you know, he took so long to get going. He never really got going. He had good games. Uh, but he, he just he never really fully got going, which is understandable. Not all freshmen are going to be right, come out, right. you know, play incredible. So you just can't expect him to do that. You know, it's it's you know it's going to happen. But I think a lot of our offense uh, weeks we had so much expectations put on him for our offense, and when he didn't, you know, show up, it just. It hurt us so much on the offense then, and that was big weakness for us. I mean, really, we had Devon Dotson and Dedrick Watson. I mean, that was really our our offense. <laughs> you know, those two after Dope got hurt, um, mm-hmm. and then Vic left. Uh, Vic was dismissed or left. So you know, it's hard to really rate the season because um, of all those things that happened that really kind of out of the out of uh, Bill Self's control. I would say, as far as expectations, when you look what what was expected. At the beginning of the season and then how we ended up, I would say, yeah, it was a disappointment. But when you look at the whole picture and everything that happened, um, it, it just it's hard to say it's a disappointment because of all the things that were out of their control. It's, it's more that it was just unfortunate. You know, it was just KU, we've been lucky for so many years, uh, not having to deal with, you know, all these crazy injuries and right. right. Um, you know, everything at once. We've had, you know, things happen, you know, here and there, but we've always had mm-hmm. the personnel to kind of mm-hmm. cover it. This year, we just had so much youth, and, um, yeah, it was uh, it was just tough to, to overcome, you know. But, I, it's like I said, it's just hard to call it a disappointment so much with all that stuff that went on. Right, right. Um, yeah, you, you bring up a good point, you know, and I also think you got to put in perspective, I think, how good Candace has had it, really, under Bill Self. You know, I believe this third or fourth year in his coaching career at KU that they've lost 10 games. Um, and this is the second time they've been a four seed. You know, they had a ridiculous streak, I think, from 2010 to 2018 when they were a one or two seed. So, and I think, you know, what, what definitely transpired, it, it was tough. In my opinion, they were given the number one preseason ranking. I don't think that was a mistake because if you looked at their roster, they had the depth and they had the experience as a bouquet with the Gerald Vick. You know, I know DeSosa was kind of on the outside looking in. We didn't really think he was going to play, but if he did end up playing, dude, that's that was that would have been a sophomore. You would have been a beast down low, and then obviously you had Diedrich Lawson, and then. You know, they had the highly rated freshman with Dotson, Grimes, McCormick. So they were perfect for their ranking because they had the experience. They had the, the youth. Um, you know, they started off 10-0. and 0. They did pretty much just – they did – they met expectations before everything fell apart. It really took, like, an enormous and unbelievable amount of calamity to derail them. And I think Candace probably would have survived – if only one of those one of those situations happened, like I think if Azapuke was out for the season and they still had the Gerald Vick and they still had Sylvia DeSosa, they would have been fine. And I think even if the Gerald Vick would have been off the team and Quentin Grimes ended up stepping up and being a freshman phenom that he was regarded as, I think KU would have been okay too. But it was just 
Candace dealt was dealt the bad hand of everything wrong happened at the same time. And it was just way, way too much for them to handle. So, um, Sam, do you agree with, you know, what Fitz and I have said about kind of just the season? Yeah, I think I agree. It's really hard for me to uh, rate the season. Uh, what's really what, – one of the things that, that dumps out to me about this season was the fact that Kansas went undefeated at Allen Fieldhouse again. Like, considering that they didn't win the Big 12, like, you would think, like, last year when they lost three games at Allen that they would have lost the Big 12 that year. You would you would have thought they would have lost it last year instead of this year, but that was the opposite. I mean, the thing that killed KU as well was that those uh, road games and uh and and in those road games, uh, Yudoka Azubuki did not get a chance to play in one of them. So I wonder how much I wonder if Azubuki's uh, absence may have made an impact on that on that. Um, but I mean, I would. If I had to choose which one, like, if if you had to choose which one of those three uh, un- misfortunes that Kansas had, like, I I probably would have said uh, Udoka, though, being out for the year would have been, like, the mis- misfortune I would choose because, well, Gerald Vick, we could have used his lethal shooting. Like, he could have been, like, one of the best shooters in the country. And then you would have a guy named, like, Silvio De Sousa who wouldn't have, like, those – liabilities that Udoka has like with the shooting ability like Desusa would be a lot better free throw shooter and he probably would have do a little bit more perimeter wise than uh, mm-hmm. what Udoka mm-hmm. would have given us but uh, it did blow to lose Udoka regardless um, but uh, I really thought this was just it's just it was an interesting season like there were, there were games that were really fun to watch but then there was other games that you just like we're just bored, like just right. by, based on the style of play this year that Kansas had had been accustomed to, right? With their personnel, right? And you know, it was pretty much a season of extremes, I would say, especially on the road, you know. And I think Kansas's youth definitely showed throughout the year. You know, if you if you guys can remember their first couple road losses. You know, to West Virginia, which was bad. Um, their road loss to Texas. You know, those are kind of games that they were in. They were in the game for the most part. I mean, they didn't get blown out. But typically, we're accustomed to seeing for Bill Self teams in conference play is them improving throughout the stretch. Them improving from the end of February and March, and then com- compared to where they were in the start of January. They their losses on the road got progressively worse. Like I would say that to, to top it all off was that loss to Oklahoma. I mean they had big, they had losses to Texas Tech and Oklahoma by what it felt like was a thousand points like each. But um, but I think a lot of it had to do with their youth. Abaji kind of got stuck. He got thrown into the fire. Um, and that th- that's actually going to be a discussion we're, we'll we'll bring up later on in the podcast. But yeah, I think it just was. It was just a really frustrating season, and the inconsistencies on the road probably bit them. Because I, what did they? What was their road record this year? Three and eight. Yeah. Yeah, around there. And then, you know, I guess if you want to count neutral site games, then they were they. I believe they beat 
They won two games at the in the NIT. Granted, that was with Azubuke. They beat Michigan the State. Classic. The Champions Classic with Azubuke. They won at the Sprint Center against New Mexico State with with Azubuke. Um, without as a bookie, he was injured. Oh, he, oh, he didn't play in that game, so yeah, because he had that ankle injury. Right. Okay. Um, and then they obviously lost to Iowa State, so they were four and two on neutral sites. If you take as a bookie out of the picture, they were one and two. Um, <laughs> so it, it's definitely something that they have to build on, and it's fortunate. It, it's good in a way because Kansas is going to have pretty much a lot of these guys next year. So, and that's where, that's a point that we'll probably talk about later. We'll talk about how the roster structure is, you know, who stays, who ends up leaving next year. But, um, I really had a strong opinion about it. I think I messaged, I actually did message Sam after the game about kind of where the, the trajectory of maybe KU or Bill Self should go. Um, what really, really kind of, interested me about the game and kind of putting the entire season in perspective and maybe how self can adjust was just maybe how Bill self can maybe change his, his defensive approach. Cause I don't know about you, but I really do feel like for Candace to make more progress next year with the guys they have, I think a lot of their losses in the, in the entertainment the last couple of years have really reflected on getting burned by the three point shot. And I know Sam would definitely say that a lot of it is luck. You know, getting beat by the point shot is is luck because it, it's not all perfect. But I did I do think it's interesting how two of their worst defensive games this year came in in games where they allowed just incredible amounts of three pointers. Um, but you know, I, I actually read a stat that KU's Four worst defensive performances in Bill Self's career, which spans like 580 games, came against Auburn this year, where they gave up, you know, 1.45 points per possession. Villanova last year in the Final Four, they gave up 1.3. Texas Tech this year, when they gave up 1.50. And then Oklahoma State in 05, they gave up 1.31. So I'm kind of bringing up these numbers because I think there's some issues that Self has made on the in terms of defending the three i don't know about you guys but i think that that's really something that we gotta maybe take into account for future years maybe because i so i think self did a really good job this year i think his ability to adapt with what he had and and moving pieces around on the fly was really good but i do think maybe fixing his defensive schemes maybe could work i don't that's what i picked up is that something that you guys maybe picked up this year, or do you guys do you guys pick up anything this year that maybe you would think Kansas should improve on down the road? I think uh, they should. I like. I think Kansas on offense, they should stick with the four guard, one in, and and then just no more uh, three, no more like the high low. Like I think you know they need to become more. They need to become more of a gunning team. Yeah, and, and they run some alley oop plays, of course, because Self is like probably the best at drawing up those type of plays, especially out of a timeout. The way basketball is going now, it's more favorable for the three point shot. And I think, uh, I think this year's problem was their lack of shooting ability. Like they did not have like a true shooter out there besides Vic for for quite a bit. But they need to start. I think Self. In Kansas, they need to start recruiting guys based on the, their ability to shoot. Yeah. I mean, you look at their roster right now entering next season. You know, Devon Dotson's probably going to come back. He actually had a, he had 
shot fairly well, I thought, from three. I think he shot around 37 38%. But the difference between Dotson and some and some of KU's past shooters like Malik Newman, Frank Mason, Devontae Graham, Mikhailuk, those guys, um, Dotson's not a high-volume shooter. I think he only attempted about 2.23s this year. Like, he didn't attempt a lot. And it's not just Dotson, but... Like, Quentin Grimes was inconsistent this year as a shooter. I think he shot maybe 31 32%. Abaji, you know, as great as Abaji played in his first, I would say, month and a half, the last month, really, from the last couple weeks of February, pretty much throughout the entire month of March, Abaji struggled. Abaji really hit a wall, and his shooting numbers were down. He did not shoot with the same effectiveness as he did earlier in the season but I think a part of that is just the fact that you know it's his first season playing college ball but you know Marcus Garrett's not a shooter you know Marcus Garrett is a 25 percent three-point shooter and he's only effective up to this point in his career as a guy who can attack the basket maybe take five or six shots a game instead of you know 11 or 12 and I would definitely agree that Kansas they got to get more shooters. Maybe Christian Braun next year becomes that type of guy, but I don't know if he's going to really play a lot next year. Well, how do you think Kansas would have done this year if uh, Malik Newman would have came back? Like, how, how different do you think things would have went? You know, that's a really good point you bring up. I do think Malik Newman would have changed a lot for Kansas. I think it also would have depended on KU's personnel in terms of, I think – their roster because I don't I think if Malik Newman would have stayed I don't know if KU would have had LeGerald Vick return for his senior season I think Malik Newman would have helped this roster greatly because Candace would have had a junior shooter an experienced shooter and a guy who could make big shots and a guy who who shot at a great percentage and he wasn't afraid to shoot it they would have had him over a freshman Abaji and I think it would have opened up a little bit more of KU's offense. I think Malik Newman definitely would have made dividends. I don't think Candace would have, you know, made a final four run. I don't think Newman would have changed their entire team, but I think it would have definitely made them a better three-point shooting team throughout the regular season. But actually, it was a good point that you made about Newman. It got me thinking, you know, what what is Can what is Candace going to do next year if Diedrich Lawson and Azubuke stay? Because they're their approach of playing four out, one in completely goes away if those two guys come back. Because yeah. they would be forced to play Diedrich Lawson around the perimeter, which is fine, but then they'd be forced with playing Azubuke right smack dab in the middle, and I don't know if that would work. K- KU, their ideal four-guard lineup is Azubuke coming back next year, and it's around four shooters like they had in 2018. So, yeah... They, they really want to definitely change up their approach. But like I said, Newman, Newman would have definitely made KU's loss better. But um, Fitz, do you kind of see similar some of the similarities that we've kind of discussed about three-point shooting and maybe three-point defense? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think Self really needs to go after the shooters. That was a big thing. You know, we coming in, we have so much talent this year. And, you know, you, you think that alone is going to be enough um, and you, you expected, uh, you know, our defense is going to be much better this year because we have more bodies. Uh, we're going to be able to play that tough style of defense that Bill Self always likes to play. Um, unfortunately, you know, with the circumstances of Doe getting hurt and then uh, uh, Silvio not being cleared, you know, really kind of starting off the season, that kind of set things back a bit. But I mean, you look at you look at last year and you look at the, the three-point percentage, I mean, you know, we have shooter, uh, 
Devontae Graham, Shvee, and Malik, they all averaged over, uh, um, you know, almost 40%, you know, from three. And, you know, that's I, – well, actually, yeah, they were all over 40% from three. So, yeah, Devontae Graham was 40.6%. Uh, Svee was 44. Malik was 41 and a half. Um, and then Gerald Vick was 37%. So, you know, you have all those shooters, and it just makes it really tough for teams to guard that when you have four guys that can shoot over 37%. Uh, this year we didn't have that. We had uh, a LeGerald shot – 45% and everybody else was below 37%. I mean, except for maybe Devon, but like you said, Devon didn't shoot as much. So it's kind of hard to count him. It's kind of hard to count Diedrich as well because Diedrich didn't shoot a lot of three pointers. Um, his percentage was pretty good, but he just didn't shoot a lot. So you can't really count him either. So yeah, that's where the college game is going. You're going to have to, you're going to have to have shooters. Um, you know, the NBA doesn't want a guy that can't shoot. Simple as that. So you didn't, it didn't matter if the guy's seven foot or five foot. You know, the guy's got to be able to shoot if the NBA's not going to want him. So you're, you have to have shooters. And this year, we just didn't have that as far as the defensive end. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm always a believer that it's not always personnel. The, the, the bad defense isn't just because of having bad personnel. Mm-hmm. I think it's defense is really a mindset. You know, and you have to have the right players that have that type of character that are guys that are going to take offense to somebody driving on them, you know, or they're going to they're going to have that mindset where they're going to guard them on the perimeter and they're going to pressure them. And you can sit there and teach it all day. Hey, you know what? You need to push these guys out, you know, extend the perimeter. Uh, these guys are shooters. And if the player just doesn't want to do it, he's not going to do it. Um, but it's not the ability that's the problem. It's that specific player. So I don't know, you know, he himself's going to have to find the, those players with that dog mentality, like the Frank Mason, um, Devonte Graham, you know, those guys, they go out there and give it 110% on offense and defense. So, yeah, I mean, tough part is we just don't have, I think other than Ochai and Devon, um, we don't have, because Grimes isn't going to be that player. Um, we don't know what we're going to get in Christian Braun. He's young. Um, he's probably not going to play a lot next year. We don't know if KJ's staying. Um, obviously, Diedrich, he's probably going. So, I don't know, man. It's uh, Next year could be either really good or it could be really bad, depending on who stays and who goes. And I, I think Self definitely has some work to do still. Right. Recruiting. All right. Um, so, kind of bringing up about you said so i kind of want you to maybe like reinforce your thought about having the type of guys like you, you mentioned that KU needs to get those dogs on defense what other guys do you think that KU has maybe can become like a frank mason or a devon graham uh well devon dawson honestly is a guy that is is going to step up and he's going to be probably one of the best point guards that bill self has, has ever had i mean he's already had the best freshman year of any point guard bill self has had so that's a pretty good start um you know, Marcus Garrett, he, he is good on the defensive end. His offense is just so atrocious that it kind of cancels his defense out. Right. Because it is it's, so it's just hard to view him as, as that type of player, like a, a Frank Mason or a Devontae Graham. You know, I think, honestly, Devon Dawson really is the only guy at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ochai. Maybe Ochai. Ochai is, you know, he, he has 
I think he has the right mentality. It's just getting him in the game and more experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he could kind of turn into a guy like that. But uh, again, on the offensive end, he was he was a bit of a liability too towards the end of the year. Uh, he just wasn't you know as effective as he was uh, at the beginning of the year. So I don't know. You know, we um, it's tough. You know, you, you can't have a team full of dogs. You know, if you got that one guy. You know, he could set the tone for the entire team. He could set that energy for the entire team, and that could help. Um, but he, you know, I don't know. I it's I don't know what to think about next year. I'll be honest with you. It's like I keep telling myself it's going to be better because we got these freshmen. They're going to be older. Right. But right. after watching this year, it's like I just I don't see. I don't know. I just I just don't see that they're going to be that much better. I don't know. Right. It's a toss yeah. Up. Yeah. I agree with you. Um. You know, to your point about to both Marcus Garrett and Abaji, you know, I'll start with Garrett. He's really tough to, to, to evaluate because I think he does everything that self pretty much wants in a guy on defense and much all four up to four positions. If you really need him to play a undersized five, he'll defend him. And he is probably going to go down as one of the more versatile guys, like a Travis Relaford type of a player, maybe Russell Robinson. But you know, the difference between Travis Relaford was he was able to develop an offensive game and I just don't see how maybe Kansas really uses Marcus Garrett next year as a junior and as a senior if he can be pretty much negative on the offensive end. That's why it's tough. It's really tough because when I look at the roster, just like you said, Fitz, I just don't know how better they're going to be just because of a lot of these guys have a lot of limitations right now. They have a lot of limitations. You know, Abaji, I think the tools are there. He's an athletic freak. I would probably say he's probably the most athletic player on the team. I think he will be next year. He, I think once Andrea Hootie, I think, works with his body, he'll get bigger because he was a three-star recruit for a reason because he wasn't he wasn't built like some of the five-star guys are. And he, was, he red-shirted. So I think once he starts to maybe get into his own body more, I think it'll help. But then you look at Quentin Grimes, man. I just, Quentin Grimes, this year... He really just looked like a spot up shooter this year because he, he wasn't attacking the ball. Sorry, he wasn't he wasn't attacking the basket like he did in high school. Like it, it amazes me the people who were able to string together the Quentin Grimes AAU highlight tape. Like whoever made Quentin Grimes highlight tape probably deserves an award. Because I'm like, how is this t- how is this guy not playing with the same, you know, not just mindset, but just the same abilities in college? Um, but said so if if Quentin Grimes is just a spot up shooter and Marcus Garrett doesn't improve as a shooter. I just don't know if Candace can get better next year in terms of their ceiling. So that's definitely something that Self's going to have to work with. So kind of moving on to the last part of this episode, we're going to kind of just focus on maybe players that we think are going to be leaving, players that we think are going to be staying. And we've, we've, I think we've touched a little bit of, about this throughout the podcast tonight. Most of us, most KU fans and all, all three of us would definitely – agree that Devon Dotson, Ochai Abaji, probably going to be here, not just next year, but maybe for the long haul. Um, I kind of want to get both of your thoughts about maybe Quentin Grimes' future. You know, how – do you think Quentin Grimes is going to be a – is only going to be there – only going to be here next year? Or do you think Quentin Grimes is going to be, you know, a four-year player? Um, I think, you know, uh, I think it depends on next year. I think if he could average like 15 or 16 points a game, it could – develop like his ability to drive that I think he'll he'll declare. I, I do sense that uh he he's like a Wayne Selvin type guy like who who like will be who could be like disappointed his first years but then a junior that's where he like rises up to the occasion. 
I think he could be one that type of guy potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, is he gonna what? Which uh, Quentin Grimes are we gonna get next year? Or you get a guy who is gonna be consistently uh, putting up points every night and hitting big shots when we need them, or is he gonna be like the same guy as we had this year, like just inconsistent, couldn't get it figured out? Um, well, so we'll, we'll t- only time will tell. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Uh... Grimes, it's it's really hard to tell. With as good as he was in high school, you know, it's it's just it's such it's so weird to see him when you watch his high school tapes because he was just that he had that dog mentality and somewhere he lost it. You know, um, coming from high school uh, going into the college game, and I do understand obviously. You know, when you when you go from high school to college, the speed is different. You right. know, it's, it's a huge difference. You're playing against much more talent. Uh, a lot more talented players as well. So, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, play a big uh, part in that as well. You know, and unfortunately, it just seems like it, it was kind of like a Wayne Selden situation. I think Selden was a top 10 recruit and his first year it was rough and he ended up staying three years. You know, sophomore year was a little bit better and his junior year was probably, I mean, the, it was his best year and then he declared for the draft. So I think uh, Quentin Grimes, we could get the um, two or three years out of it. You know, I think he's going to test the waters. I think he's going to go to the um, draft combine, or uh, uh, I don't know if it's the draft combine that they go to, and they, they can kind of get some pointers from some of the scouts mm-hmm. and tell them, you know, hey, this is what you need to work on. So he'll, he'll go to that and probably get some, some idea of what he needs to work on. I don't think he'll just declare. Um, yeah, with him, man, I don't know. It's, it's tough. You know, I think we felt the same way about Wayne Self, and look what he turned into. So I, with him, I think it's just going to take patience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they do have a combine. Like, just like you mentioned, they do have an area where that are on the borderline of wanting to go to the, if they're not fully committed, they can go to a combine and they can get evaluations. And I think that's actually going to be the same route that Azabuke takes this year. You know, if you guys remember, Azabuke did do same route in the off season after his sophomore year. And obviously he got, he got told by a lot of the draft evaluators that his game still needs work and he's to go back for his junior season. And I think pretty, to be honest, Azabuke, his decision is probably the most confusing to me. I would say, I would say confusing, but the most interesting because, you know, Azabuke, I, I feel for him because I just don't think the way that he's built is I don't think the way that his body is built, being a seven-foot guy that, you know, yeah, he shoots at an insane high clip from the field, you know, 75% from the field, and he blocks shots at a good rate. Um, He can't shoot. And then not only that, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I I think Sam Sam mentioned it, that he hasn't played and he hasn't played a single game of the Big Twelve tournament this year. And every single season that he's played at KU, he's missed significant time. So Azabuke really is interesting to me because I don't think his game is good enough to make it in the NBA, but I think it's good enough to maybe survive in, in Europe. But then on the other side, you know, if he does stay for KU, that'd be great. They get a senior leader, but then you also have to worry about the fact that, okay, is Azabuki going to play an entire season for us for the first time in his career? So Azabuki is really, really interesting. Do you guys think that Azabuki ends up staying for a senior year, or do you think this is it for him? Um, you know, Bill Self seems to hint pretty well that he's for sure that Doak is – he's confident that Doak's going to leave. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, it's tough because he, he's gotten hurt so many times twice out of his – I think he's been with KU for three years. And, 
I think a third time, if he got hurt again, then it would just completely destroy any chance of an NBA career. Mm -hmm. Um, He would just be seen as too fragile. And, you know, NBA, NBA uh, they're not going to, you know, waste time on that. So I think uh, he's going to definitely go pro. I don't see Doak coming back next year, mainly because of that reason. Uh, He's already gotten hurt twice. A third time would just completely just wash away any NBA career. And, And they know what type of player he is at this point. And in order for him to be a better shooter, He's going to have to work on his game with professional staff uh, for months, you know, years. And I think the only way that he's going to find a way to develop as a shooter is to do that. And staying in college, unfortunately, with the limitations on how much they're able to practice, he's not going to get that much better from the shooting side of it. And it's not like these kids can go out and afford uh, 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 to find a uh, an NBA type trainer, you know, to, to teach them how to do these things, you know, not, not all the player, all players can, the families can't always afford that. So I, I, I think I would say probably I'm 98% sure that he's um, going to just go to the, go into the draft and he won't be back next year. Yeah. Sam, do you agree with Fitz that his KU career is likely over? Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think uh, it's time to move on from Asabuki. I think self self is ready to move on from him because I think he he really wants to continue to develop David McCormick, and I think uh, Asabuki's uh, injury proneness has just become too much of a liability for Kansas that they just really need to need to uh, just move on from him because if he just comes back and gets injured again, it, we could it definitely experience a season like we did again this year with uh, Asabuki. So I, I think it's time to move on and, uh, you know, and let uh, David McCormick get his shine. Right, right. And um, I think David McCormick really was able to be in a good spot. Like, I, it sucks that Azabuke was out for the season. It sucks, but I think it turned out to be maybe a blessing in disguise for David McCormick this year. Because I think if Azabuke had never gotten injured – I don't think McCormick would have been able to play the amount of minutes that he played this year. I'm not. I'm still not sure if if McCormick is the type of guy that can fit in their four out one in system. Because I still, I I think McCormick, I think his style of play is very similar to Landon Lucas, or a guy that can um, seal off his man in the paint because and because he has a big body, he can shield off guys, boxing them out, and he can really number on the boards. And um, he can run the floor fairly well. I think McCormick is already ahead of Lucas in terms of an offensive standpoint in, in some regard. Because I think if you saw a lot of the games that he had late in the year, Baylor, um, which was the last game of the regular season, and then against Texas and West Virginia, McCormick was able to make a lot of really, really nice shots and paint. I think McCormick's development is really key, but I think it's a far-fetched statement to make. How much do you think... Cause when when I look at Azubuke for a minute, when I look at his injury history, a lot of the issues that Azubuke had, sorry, has had with his, you know, his knee and his wrist and just kind of being injury prone and I would say kind and being really a one-dimensional player. Do you think that was kind of similar? Sorry, is similar to what Joel Embiid kind of faced with when he was at KU? Because Joel Embiid was for the most part and when he entered the NBA draft, he was injury prone. He didn't have a lot of experience under his belt. And he was really a one-dimensional player before he 
pretty much a whole year of training under his belt as a sixer. I mean, do you kind of see some similarities? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that Luka is going to become Joel Embiid. Do you kind of see some similarities between those two? I, I, I do in a way, uh, just because of how raw they both. But Joel Embiid is much more athletic, and he had he already he had a much better shot developed. Um, so whoever had had taught him. Um, from the very get-go, they he had developed uh, you know an actual shot, and I think his athleticism is just so far beyond what uh, Azabuki's is. Um, you know, when you got a seven-foot guy that's playing soccer, you know, you know he's going to be athletic because um, soccer is a, a tough sport. Let alone you know being seven foot tall. I mean, you don't see very many tall soccer players. So um, I think the athleticism is, is a big difference there. But and when you look at the mechanic, like I said, when you look at the mechanics as far as shooting, Joel Embiid was was very different than what uh, Doke was. I don't know that we really see very many layups from Doke. And Joel Embiid, you know, that was a big part of his game was was layups, and he had he was very good at the, uh, the turnaround shot. He had a, a little bit of a jumper in uh, inside range. Doke. I just I don't think I ever remember him shooting any sort of jumper, and, and it may have been self just said you don't shoot those because he just he just didn't have a shot. So I don't know. I it, but I think it goes back to the only way that Doke is going to improve and end up on an NBA roster is if he goes to the NBA right away or, or decides to go that direction, gets with some trainers, and just shoots the ball a hundred thousand times within a couple <laughs> months. You know, and just and completely whatever he's learned in the past how to shoot, completely destroy that, start over, which is going to be very difficult to do. But the guy has to because his shot. When you look at the free his free throws, the mechanics are just they just make you want to vomit. They're so bad, right? And they've tried to make adjustments to it, and it hasn't helped. And again, it goes back to he just hasn't had that time to practice. So yeah, I think. I get, I get where you're going with that as far as the comparison, but Embiid, as far as an athlete, is just just miles beyond what Doke is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that was – I kind of want to, like, throw it out there to see if you guys had an interesting take on it. Because um, that it was kind of running through my head when Sam was talking about, you know, he's injury prone. I was like, hey, that might be that might be a good question to ask. Um, do you agree that – it's kind of different. It's kind of two different comparisons between Azubuke and Embiid. It's a fair comparison, I think. Um, what about Embiid was his footwork was was absolutely incredible. Like he, like his footwork was like beyond uh, what Azubuke's was at first, and uh, he and also I think uh, Embiid's defensive ability and like like Embiid barely was able to keep himself out of foul trouble a lot, and Azubuke has had that issue throughout his career, and. And uh, I, or I just when I think of uh, Embiid, I just, it just I just think of the uh, game at Iowa State where he just like I just think of the time when he blocked Niang and he just grabbed the ball with one hand. Like that was something that was something that like you could you that very rarely you ever see from a a center playing college basketball. Yeah, it was just a shame that Embiid's college career got cut short, but. You know, whenever I watched Embiid play at KU, every single game he did just one thing each game that amazed you. You know, whether it was, like Sam alluded to, the block shot, he grabbed it with one hand, um, the dream shake by using his great footwork. Um, 
but also his ability to kind of step out and take some shots outside of five feet. But I mean, Azubuke does have kind of a, a baby jump hook that's very effective, but I think Azubuke is more of just a power guy where he's just going to back. I mean, and B is that type of player now for the most part, like that that's his, that's his go-to move. But you know, and B kind of didn't really have that at KU, but Azubuke is just going to, is more of just a power guy. that's just going to back you down and slam it on your face. Um, but would before we kind of kind of wrap this entire thing up and get all our final thoughts, would you guys agree that you know just how we we all agree that Asbuke is not coming back, that Diedrich Lawson's not coming back, or do you think there is still a chance that he returns? I think there's a chance that Lawson returns, Diedrich Lawson returns because as good as I think he could fit on an NBA roster, but I think his 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 uh, athleticism and his conditioning are are like still like not at the NBA level yet. I think if Lawson comes back and develops a continues to develop a more consistent three point jump, I think I think he'll go a lot higher in the NBA draft, like in twenty twenty, than he would in twenty nineteen. I think, and also I, I think uh, if Lawson were to come back, I think he'd be uh, the front runner for the uh, Naismith Award. Yeah, yeah, I do think that you saw some of Diedrich Lawson's limitations, even in the Auburn game. You know, Diedrich Lawson, you know, he has the nickname by some people, Slow Good. You know, I read an article on The Athletic the other day that C.J. Moore wrote. I don't know if you guys read him, but um, he wrote an article, you know, a couple of days before the NCAA tournament, and it mentioned how, you know, he has a nickname, Slow Good. You know, he's not the most, he's not really the most athletic guy in the gym. He's not the quickest guy in the gym, but he's very slow. He's very deliberate, and he takes his time, and that's fine. Like I think Diedrich Lawson in a half court set can really do damage to teams. Like I don't think he ha- I don't think he has to dunk on people. Like just because he can't dunk doesn't mean he is not an effective player. He's he is a really effective player, um, and he doesn't have the limitations that Azubuke has. He can move around and score, but um, and he can rebound at a high rate. But you saw with Auburn. He, they were just running him gassed. He was exhausted. He couldn't keep up in terms of, you know, Auburn got, Auburn got the defensive rebound. They pushed the tempo. They got easy layups. They got dunks. They got threes. You know, in some aspects, it wasn't DJ Lawson's fault, but it, it was still a tough game because it was up and down, up and down. And, um, yeah, I think his, his stamina definitely would have to improve um, for him to be in the NBA, even though I think he was mocked as like a 40th overall pick teams wouldn't be taking a chance at Diedrich Lawson if they draft him in like the mid second this year. Fitz, do you think that you know Diedrich's career is over? Cause it was a hell of a career for just one season, but, or do you think he's going to come back and graduate? Uh, I think there's a better chance he comes back than Doak, but I would say I would, I would still put him as I expect him about 95% to go. I think there's just a 5% chance. And, and before this game, before the Auburn game, I would have told you 99.9%. I never want to say 100% because you never know. But seeing him after the game, how emotional he was, that's not something that we've really ever seen from him. Made me think, okay, well, maybe there is a 5% chance that he sits on it for a bit, thinks about it, talks to his family, and he decides, you know what, I'm not satisfied with how that ended. But I do want to come back and, you know, I think – that could help. And also, if he goes to the combine and 
Um, if he doesn't hire an agent right away and some of the draft guys say, hey, you know what, you're still not – because I think when he went to the, he went to the, the combine uh, a couple years ago, they labeled him as the most unathletic player yeah, yeah. At, at the combine, which is, man, that's just got to hurt. And, you know, which is why he came to KU, with, you know, to the to develop his game more. And he has definitely improved for sure. But uh, he just doesn't have that explosiveness, you know. And the, the problem is these, these the top players in the NBA, the guys that stand out are explosive players. And – I don't know, man. I think there there may be a chance for the NBA scouts to say, you know what, man, uh, you should try to go work on this. You know, you need to you need to work on dunking the ball, being more explosive. Or if you're not going to dunk, you need to play a true four spot and you know start shooting more threes right. and and become that type of player. So who knows, man? I, I, like I said, I think ninety five percent chance he definitely goes, but five percent chance. Maybe if he really has that itch to come back, and if and if the uh, uh, NBA scouts tell him, you know, that he should he should come back. So I think if those two things happen, it could be possible, but it's very very unlikely. Right. Um, man, I want to side with you, man, about that five percent chance he comes back because part of me feels like, man, you look at that front court next year. If Deidre's Lawson and Ezebuke leave and they don't get, uh, which was, I think, uh, he's a top 10 prospect, and KU's front court is pretty much McCormick and Lightfoot. So I want to, I really want to think Deidre Lawson stays, but I I, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to say, I think they lose Deidre too, which, which sucks, but I think Deidre Lawson really had one of the best single seasons that KU has had and really. But I will say that emotion that he did show, because he's not, I don't think Diedrich Lawson is that emotional of a player. I don't think he really showed a lot of that at KU this year. But for him to break down in the locker room and really, really show to a lot of KU fans that this season meant so much to him that maybe he comes back. Um, and you usually don't. I don't think you usually see that from a player that only stays one year that transfers out to a different school. Like typically, you get a lot of those emotions coming from players that, um, you know, stay two or three years, or they graduate, or they're a senior, and this is it for them. So, I think that is definitely something to keep an eye on. So, I uh, hopefully it stays, but you never know. So, um, I think with that, really, I think. You know, we were able to kind of discuss a variety of topics for KU this year. Um, went through then, kind of went through maybe what they need to work on, and then maybe the personnel adjustment and guys moving. You know, who stays and who goes. Um, the only, again, the only thing I re- have to say for my final thoughts, and I'll get, and you guys can express your final thoughts here in about a couple of minutes. But so the only thing I I gotta say about KU was. They dealt with a lot this year. It was a really, really tough season in terms of they had to deal with a firestorm of, of different things happening. I think Candace grew up a lot, and this was a great learning experience for guys like not just Devon Dotson and Quentin Grimes, but more so for David McCormick and Abaji. Um, 
But I think this loss still puts into perspective of what KU still needs to work on. And I think it also maybe solidifies that, yeah, even though these guys come, or most of them are going to come back next year, it's not a sure thing that they're going to be playing for a national championship next year because there's still limitations on the roster and self maybe still needs to get better. I still think he needs to improve on how he defends a three, but you know, that's always up for debate. But do you guys maybe have any last words about not just the season, but moving forward that you guys haven't really said yet? Yeah, I would say the big thing um, next year, obviously what self has coming up in front of him right now is recruiting. Uh, He has a lot of work to do. You mentioned Matthew Hurt. He's a top 10 recruit. He was projected for KU. Now he's projected more to go toward, to go Duke. 53% Duke, 42% Kansas. So we're losing grip on him. Uh, Cassius Stanley, he's projected uh, UCLA or USC. Um, we have a very small percentage that he could come to Kansas. So we're losing grip on him. Um, and you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, obviously, we don't know if he could even play because of what he did overseas, but Lomelo uh, Ball, obviously, at this point, I don't think he's really being recruited by anybody. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> this is kind of crazy and stupid to say, but it's, it's Bill Self could be desperate enough where he could kind of reach out because there's no doubt LaMelo Ball is an incredible player. And KU would would only be better by having him. It would not be worse by having a player like LaMelo Ball. So a couple things I want to point out. So if they can reach out to the NCAA and ask and find out if he could be eligible, that's going to be the biggest thing because of what he did overseas. Uh, if he got paid, you know, they'd have to dig into all that. Who knows how difficult it could be. So they'd want to look into that first. But another big thing that it kind of – opened my mind to this a little bit more is Lonzo Ball signed with Nike. So he stepped away from his father and signed with Nike. So this could be a sign that his, that that their father is, you know, loosening his grip on them and really letting them kind of do their own thing. So, and that's really a big thing. A big reason why you wouldn't want a guy like LaMelo Ball is because of his father. It's not LaMelo Ball that, player it's it's just because you know his dad has caused a lot of issues so i don't know man (laughs) it is it's a little kind of a tough thing to end a a podcast on but at the end of the day man self has a lot of work to do and depending on who leaves and who stays we could we could be in some trouble so i don't know i'm just gonna end on that yeah that's 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 a good that's a good note to leave on um sam do you have you know similar words that both Fitz and I have talked about, or do you, you know, kind of want to end on a different note? So I think uh, it's going to be uh, interesting. I think playing out with the whole Silvio situation, uh, you know, the whole FBI investigation, you know, how much the, I think that has a huge issue impact in KU's recruiting because because I think a lot of those recruits are waiting to see if like another school drop in KU. They're in this offseason, they're afraid. To maybe go there just in case if their sanctions end up occurring, which I really hope does not occur. But uh, I think I think that has a huge impact on the recruiting life. So who knows, who knows what happens? I still think we could get at least one or two guys to commit next year, and uh, 
and hopefully a lot of people come back as well. Right on, yeah. That's that's the goal. You want to get some experience as much as try to get as much experience as possible. Well, if that's the case, and we've kind of each said our thoughts about um, the season in general and what KU needs to do moving forward, um, I think we've kind of reached a good stopping point. You know, if that's the case, guys, um, I probably would have to probably have to let you guys go. But again, I really appreciate it. You know, it's t- it's tough. All of us are still in our feelings about that loss to Auburn, but you know, I appreciate it. You, know, you guys being able to come on and and talk about Kansas. Absolutely, man, and you know, definitely still in the feelings. But I'll be honest, this year's tournament, it was never an expectation that Kansas would make it very far, and. I had a pretty good feeling that when we did lose, it would be a pretty big, pretty big loss um, just with how the year went, um, you know, so, but it was definitely, it was fun to be on either way and just to kind of talk about it. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Bring great thoughts. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me on, Steve. And I look forward to uh, the Les Miles era starting for Kansas football uh, pretty soon. Yeah, that's right. Kansas is a football school. Didn't you hear? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you guys, and I look forward to hearing from you all in the future. Until next time, I'm Stephen Abramo, and thanks for listening to the Bounce Pass by the Sportsmaker.